the Cosmic Brew Show. What is up, brother Cos? How the hell are you, sir? I'm doing good. We have the NBA Finals. We have Brewski Cos scatting. I mean, like, what? What is better? What, yeah, what more be could you want in life? life? I, I I kind of forgot my scatting skills. Thanks, thank you, Cos, for bringing them back. Give me yes, the confidence yes. to scat <laughs> when and where I want. <laughs> more people should scat more often. I think that the, you know so many people are overwhelmed. They're stressed. They're depressed. You know, you know, yep. if Jack Del Rio scatted every once oh in a while, <laughs> what's wrong with that being bad? <laughs> Maybe he wouldn't be so damn puckered up. <laughs> oh, that fool! Oh man! If the world what? scatted more, what percentage <laughs> less problems would we have? We'd Five, ten, fifteen. <laughs> anyway, um, what about the Warriors? What if they scatted more? Oh, is, is that the key to Draymond's struggles? He's not scatting enough. I know too much, too much yelling, too much Twitter. You can't stat on Twitter, not effectively. So you got to You need to. Well, at least nobody's tried effectively. <laughs> I do think we found our next uh, account, though. <laughs> I don't know what the handle would be. <laughs> Could you imagine, like, <laughs> some footage shows up of Draymond on a random Boston street corner just scatting it up with some, like, <laughs> homeless people? Hey, you know what? Around it, it'd be better than what he's doing so far in this uh, series. <laughs> it's it's pretty, I mean, I, I the games are not close, but, man, I, it's, I think it's very compelling to watch. I, I yeah. mean, sometimes it leaves me wanting more because I just feel like this Warriors team is not the same, you know, against uh, the Boston Celtics are up two to one. And, and of course, that's what, all we're going to talk about today. I don't think we've got any uh, draft analysis for you guys. No. I, I don't even know a single college player other than um, the tall, thin guy. Yeah, and he's going to be awful. Uh, <laughs> oh, really? So, that's interesting. I, I don't know. I see people's I, draft I, takes, and I know nothing about anybody. I think it's great because I, I can just sit there and, and assume based on what I think of the person, <laughs> how, that, <laughs> how that analysis is going. I don't know. Um, but yeah, really, you don't Chet, think he's going to be good? Chet Holmgren is who we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, that, that body type hasn't worked in the NBA. I mean, he, he, that long perimeter, that super tall, super thin perimeter guy, just hasn't worked. I mean, who's even close to that? Kevin Durant, and then like before him, Connie Hawkins. You know, like there's, <laughs> wow. there's not. I mean, there's not a lot of guys that can make that framework. I mean, like Ingram is sort of built like that, but he's not as tall, and he's like he's beefy compared to uh, Holmgren. I mean, that he's is a beefy, thin... and, and and I haven't seen Holmgren play, but I'd imagine he's like five times faster. Who Ingram? Ingram. Ingram. Yeah, I mean, he, he moved. I mean, yeah, he's just not like, I mean, I saw them play like, I don't know, twice. I, 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 he didn't like jump off the like screen to me. You know, it's not like when I saw Jaw for the first time, and I immediately called you and was like, oh, my God, when <laughs> you see this guy. I mean, like, I, I think that, you know, it's a it's just going to, you know, maybe probably another week draft and or just, you know, not a lot of household names. I mean, there's never going to be household names anymore because everyone's coming out after a year. But. 
anybody that, I mean, there's no, if I have a high pick, I mean, I'm just really concerned because he just, I mean, that that frame we've seen, we've seen the really tall, skinny guy. I mean, what's there, what's there to make you believe that he's going to be a lot better than bull bull, you know, like, I don't know. That is a, that's (laughs) a reference right there. A bull bull reference, a Connie Hawkins reference. That's uh, a while. I, I, I mean, I, here in Sacramento, I'm I'm really as far out of the Kings coverage as I've ever been in, in the last say decade. And and these guys are experts at <clears throat> you know looking at draft picks, um, mm-hmm. you know the locals, and they are pretty excited about the top three. Um, but then they're in the four slot, so they've worked about every scenario that you can imagine of, of what could happen with those picks. Um, it seems to me at least one of the guys, and I don't even know his name, seems like he might be an athletic marvel. So that's interesting. Holmgren uh-huh. with his block rate. That's, I think, the thing that has perked my eyes up. Because, I, t- I mean, isn't he getting like 7, 10 blocks in a game? That's... that's I Not the games I saw. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I mean, again, that this is... I mean... I'm looking forward to doing block more shots. Than, is he going to block more shots than Sean Bradley? I mean, I don't know. I don't think uh, so. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, is he going to block more shots than Mark Eaton? You know what I mean? He's not, he's not, <laughs> he, even as tall as he, you know, he might block shots in college. I mean, we got to, we still have to remember that is still a terribly weak conference. The one that Gonzaga's in. I mean, it's, 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 it's a horrible, horribly weak conference. And he's not guys in the NBA aren't afraid of you just because you're tall. I did want to talk <laughs> some draft with you, like not not in this show, but just in. I mean, when I jump in, I jump in, and I'll, it's like a week of study generally before the right the week before the last possible second before the draft. I I study up and and then it's I, I really enjoy actually trying to project the college players into the NBA and and. Um, you know, doing the work for fantasy. I have to do that at some point in time. And generally there's only like two or three impact players. So it's, it's kind of a futile exercise for me as far as my projections go. Um, But it's enjoyable because of what you just said, like that conference is not good. You know, look at the film. How's that going to translate in the NBA? You know, how much ground can he really cover? How much verticality can he really get? And then of course the weight issue. So uh, a really unique player. And then Poku in OKC is kind of the, I guess the other thing to kind of wrap the thread here on, on Holmgren Poku had the last 15 games or so where they gave him the ball and just got out of the way. He improved greatly. Um, is he crossing the threshold of where that actually matters? You know, like where he can be a contributor, a starter on a good team. That's like a question that's way down the road. Um, the idea that they could field both of those guys though is kind of hilarious. Like, you know, if you want to build a weird basketball team with 30 first round draft picks and those two guys, <laughs> you know, that's weird. Right. Anyway, let's talk some NBA finals because we've got a, a Warriors team that is, you know, a dynasty. Obviously, uh, I think I saw some stat on like just how many games they've played or how many finals games and, you know, comparing it to the great teams. And I think it was like three dynastic franchises that have had that kind of um, participation in the playoffs in, in the entire history of the NBA. Yeah. So we're really talking about one of the great top five teams in the NBA to just kind of throw out a, a random number, top five cores 
in the yeah. NBA. And, sure. And they're getting just handled, in my opinion. Yeah. It definitely seems like what the Warriors want to do compared to what the Celtics want to do in the moments where they're both doing that, it seems like the Celtics are really beating them, right? Like taking out the times when one of them might be playing poorly, like when they're both not, I don't think anyone's really played great, but when they're both really kind of doing a decent job of executing their plan, the Celtics seem to be like a way better team than them right now. And that's got to be concerning. But you know what's interesting about that? Like, if we rewound and, and, and did this show after three quarters in game one, we would have said the other thing. Right. Like, I, and watching that, those first three quarters, I thought the Warriors were playing on the lower end of their spectrum and still in control, dominating, like, dictating everything. And then they just fell apart. Like the the lineup with Iguodala and Otto Porter, and then you mixed in like Jordan Poole and Draymond Green, like those four guys, it took like four minutes. Four minutes flipped the whole damn thing. I I mean, I will say they they did not, they, they, they have not, even in those first three quarters, they weren't. They haven't been able to stay in front of guys. That no. that was happening. I mean, that, as far as like you know, Tatum, Tatum and Brown and Smart are concerned, they seemed even in that. I, I think they. I think they didn't because we talked about that in the last couple of series that people seem to be going by the Warriors pretty frequently, but they were able to do that a little bit even in those first three quarters, then when the barrage start, when, when once they got to the fourth and that barrage started, it was accentuated, but they were, they were getting by those guys. I mean, that they, I mean, outside of Wiggins, like no one is staying, I mean, really staying in front of anybody. I, I thought that, I mean, I'm, I'm jumping the gun, but I really thought I had a lot of problems with Steve Kerr's uh, game last night. Oh, he's um, his he, call, he, but um, he he's been. I think he's been flat out bad, um, which is kind of. I mean, it's it's really interesting to say for a coach that's as decorated as he is, and and a coach that, generally speaking, I mean, like I think it's gotten a little worse over the last like year or two in terms of like. You see something going on, you know, people are calling it out and then you're just generally agreeing. You're like, OK, yeah, that wasn't great, you know, yeah. for whatever reason. And, you know, I, I don't know the particulars of just the last couple of years, but I've noticed more in the last couple of years agreeing with criticism that I see or just having criticism, watching whatever's going down. Um, you, you talked about getting beat on the perimeter. Draymond mentioned that in his really freaking like the post game. I mean, I feel like on one hand, there's a lot to cover. On the other, I kind of feel like there's just like one thread in this series and it all leads back to Draymond. And it's um, he's talking, of course, about getting beat on the perimeter or just getting beat in general and how that was affecting the rebounding game. And I completely understand and agree with what he's saying. Like if you're constantly in rotation, you can't handle the glass, you know, as well as if everybody's mm-hmm. got everybody in front of everybody and, 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 and you just got it all on lockdown and you can, you know, just turn and box out completely get that. Um, but like that first game, for example, uh, in the first quarter, 
he Draymond was at he had three three pointers you could have tagged to him on just simply being out of position um, right. l- late closeout in addition to being out of position and um, there were probably two others where he was a part of it um, and and Boston hit all five of those threes for fifteen points and you're sitting there thinking okay. You know, even if they're wide open, there's a decent chance they only hit half of them. And then if there right. was decent defense, maybe they hit a third or whatever. Right. That game could have been a blowout in game one. And then it wasn't a blowout. And then it ended up turning it into a loss. Um, but that was like my first noticing that, that defensively Draymond, something wasn't right. And I'm trying to get at the what is this that's not right for Draymond because is it physical is it mental is it because he's like so worried about everybody getting beat that he's in no man's land is it all snowballing these are the kind of questions percolating for me I think for me I think this is maybe the first time I've ever seen him really like mentally frazzled and I think that I was telling, you know, one of my buddies before the series started that or actually after game one, I was saying that dream. This is not a good like Draymond impacts the game with horrible stat lines. We've seen that before. But this team, the Celtics team, because of the length of Williams and Horford's defensive savvy and then the way as long as Brown and Tatum are when they come down and dig this is there's really not much for him to do right like he he can he's gonna have bad stat lines like he did in game two but he still was able to impact the game but it wasn't like it really wasn't to me it wasn't as I think they're they were overhyping his impact in game two I mean he brought a lot of energy and he brought some physicality but like he he the, the the Celtics were more crumbling, I think. It didn't step up to the plate in game two. But he he's not gonna I don't think he can have really good stat lines in this game. And and as you saw like last night, because Clay and Steph were hitting, he he he's mentally he doesn't think he could have very good stat lines. He didn't try he wasn't even looking at the rim. At one point the Celtics were like when Marcus Smart, watch when Marcus Smart's up, he's not even covering him. Marcus Smart's in a is in a zone against Draymond Green, you know? He's not even considering covering him, and Draymond Green's not even considering looking at the rim. I mean, there's there was plenty of straight-line drives for him, but I think that he's so worried about where Williams is. Horford's always, like, he seems out of the play, but he's able to get himself back in position, and he really didn't even try to score, and you just can't have, you know, him and Looney on the court if Draymond's not being somewhat aggressive and mm-hmm. I, I think i think really that they're just kind of in his head and he's gotta he's gotta just he's gotta get together and make them respect him they, the celtics do not respect him right now well and and if you can't have looney on the on the floor you're losing a significant part of your split offense oh yeah it's he's he's how how, how badly has Looney outplayed Draymond this series? Oh, like, and- like that's that's that was my first. I mean, we were screaming at the TV when when Draymond picked up that that uh, I think the fifth foul. We're like, get him out of there! Maybe, like, maybe the Warriors can make a run here. Yeah, get and I, and I could see like you know him, you know, 
bitching and moaning on the sidelines. But that you had when he got the, I mean, after, I mean, I would have yanked him when he got the fourth. But then when he got the fifth, it was like, this is an easy sell. Like, get him out. Hey, hey, dream on. You know, you got five. We're going to bring you back at, you know, whatever amount of minutes. And then, like, hopefully Looney comes back in and you never, and you don't have to bring him back. But, like, he was, he was so disengaged, really, in this game. I mean, he, he had a, like, he had one, um, there was a, a steal he could have gotten. He was just kind of standing around. I oh, mean, he, no, he, no, he like, missed about five, ten of those. Yeah. And, and like, he, he's just, he was just out. I, I don't. I think his, it's just his confidence. I think his confidence is really, and that's never been an issue for him. He just like when he has, when he's not. Sh- I mean, we see him have the horrible shooting games and stuff, but he's just not. He's not handling the ball. He's not doing, and he's not pushing it. I mean, two rebounds. Get two rebounds last night. I mean, that's that's unacceptable. There's there's okay. So there's a lot, and, I, and I, so I want to go in the direction of Steve Kerr. But you you hit on something there about confidence and. Which team has it? I mean, it is it, like on one hand, you have Boston who they're all playing for each other. They're dripping mm. with confidence. Their coach is confident. Coach looks like he could get out there and play, which is just hilarious to me. Um, <laughs> he just kind of walks the sideline like he's just snarling. And, and he I, I, I'm telling you, I, I, that's how I would want my coach to be. You know, it, it's 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 the, the job they've done on the Boston side has just been great. And then you contrast that with Golden State. Like, Kerr did his interview at the first quarter. And I, I was, like, doing something else, you know, looking down at the ground, not really listening to the interview. Mm-hmm. Then, and then I heard the interview, and I, I was, like, I kind of, like, just jarringly was, like, is everything okay? You know, yeah. like, hearing his voice, and I don't know, maybe he had allergies, maybe he had, you know, whatever's going on. But like yeah. he didn't sound confident in the slightest. Like yeah. he knew something's wrong with his team, and yeah. I'm wondering. And and you know, a lot of teams, especially if you've got a dynasty, you know, where these guys have kind of earned the right to lose this thing on their own. Like, does he feel like he has no agency in this whatsoever? He's going to have to let Dre do Dre stuff, and he can't say nothing to anybody. But also, like he's done this thing throughout the series where he's like, I'm going to play the veterans. Yeah. And it's, it's like, I mean, I know everybody knows that I go off on the Manja elites all the time. It's because he played in Sacramento and, and, and literally one person can ruin a basketball team. He did that. And it happened for three years. And they said how good he was playing the entire time on the telecast and the local media. And it was like gaslighting. And I just, you know, I couldn't, you know, if you're in a basketball conversation and everybody keeps telling you that that guy's good or he should be on the floor, you're like, what are we talking about here? What are we doing? And then you, he's, you get Steve Kerr turning around and playing the guy in, in finals minutes. He will immediately get beat the minute you put him on the floor. <laughs> he certainly did. <laughs> immediately. Like every single time. There's not a play that goes by where he doesn't lose. And I, I thought at that time, too, like... You know, they needed stops. They he said it. He said huh? it in the interview when he pulled, when he pulled, Bia Belitsa, he said it. It was the other thing he said in the interview. is like, we got to stop giving up easy ones. Puts yeah. in Bia <laughs> And then like, and then on off. And then the other thing is like for, for, for Bia you know, you're trading defense for offense. There was two possessions in a row where he had Derek White on him on switches and he runs out to the three-point line. Like, Bielitsa has some, some moves down there. He's got hooks and all sorts of stuff. Like, what are you doing? 
with Derek White on you, running back out to the three-point line. And and, and like I, you, you're now you're, you've completely taken your offensive advantage away. So now you're we you know you're going to lose on defense, and now you're not even doing anything smart on offense. No, he's got great basketball IQ. Cause I mean, you should you should hear about in Sacramento, dude's the smartest basketball player you've ever met. Um, I, I have a theory about why that is, but I'll I'll just leave it to the imagination. But you have Jonathan Kaminga, right? Like, yeah, God. here's here's a player. These okay, I get it. He's 19. You don't trust him because he's not a veteran, right? I mean, this is to me this is like old school coaching where yeah. the narrative matters more than the smart thing to do, you know. Yeah. And and so okay, you got this team with all these athletes by the way Jalen Brown is just outstanding like he is just tearing them apart because he can do everything and he's he's just lightning everything and and so what are you going to do you're going to throw Gary Payton on the court we talked about that you did that that was a good thing okay you need more of that they need more he you're right I'm sorry I mean so here's here's Kaminga's like your only option I mean if you're really going to match firepower he's your only option he's 19 What are you going to do? You're going to stick him in in game seven? You know, yeah. You're going to stick him I mean, in in game seriously. five down 3-1 seriously. and put that on the kid? Yeah, like, I, I don't y- get it. Here, you can steal. I don't care what Beal needs to play, like six minutes, eight minutes, whatever it was. Those are six, eight minutes you can give to, to Kaminga and be like, hey, welcome to the finals, kid. You know, yeah. go make a yeah. bunch of mistakes. Get him out of your yes. system because we need yes. you in game four, yes. five, and six. Yes, I, I don't understand yeah, that that's a big issue. And we talked about it before. We we knew he was going to have to play if they had a chance. And he's just, especially the way you know. And I think the same thing of you know, you know, Moody or um, or Lee. Like, Poole is not ready for this moment. He's oh another, no, he's another terrible defender, and he's he's like. A lot of like this stuff of he's really getting exposed. Um, I think in his decision making, he's late on a, in a lot of uh, deliveries to shooters. I don't know if like yeah on both sides noticed, of the ball. Like, like Clay, Clay is really especially. And it seems a lot. It's happened all season, but it, it, you know he just does some kind of step back and makes a three. But like especially to Clay, you see it to Steph too. And a lot to Wiggins. He's really late on delivering the ball. And against a team like the Celtics, you don't you don't have time to be late. You have to deliver that thing before it's open, really. And he's not even doing that. He's not even getting it to him when he's open. He's he's waiting a beat after they're open, and then it's too late. Then they're they're getting pushed off their spot. Now they're catching the ball, you know, four feet behind the line. And he's just been he's been really bad. That that game too was an an anomaly. You know, he hit a couple of shots and but he's just not ready. And to me, I'd rather have, you know, Moody or Lee in there because the defense will be better, one. And two, they're gonna stay they're gonna run the offense, you know, more precisely because they're not gonna wanna they have no license to catch the ball survey look at clay coming off a three not giving it to him (laughs) dribble it three times between their legs they're not going to do that they're going to get that ball out of their hands so only thing that you're gaining is defense from from either one of those guys and i I just i i thought that he he pulled the, the the he pulled peyton way too quickly and didn't give him another shot you know because he he was having some offensive struggles but like 
he's the only other athlete that could compete with those guys. You, they got to play him. It, you know, I, I wouldn't pull Peyton off the floor. I mean, uh, to the extent yeah. that his his body can handle the minutes. I, right. I, I, so this is like a lack of vision from Steve Kerr. And I, I feel like he's not catching any strays right now. Like nobody's no. talking. I mean, maybe like the local you know Warriors guys are pretty smart. Um, you know, they're talking, but like it's all Dre. Dre's yeah, catching it yeah. all. And and yeah. to me, Steve Kerr has like there, there's just certain coaching decisions. Like there's no just there's a zero percent justification for having be elites out there. It's a zero. <laughs> like every other decision, you know, you could be like, eh, it's like a 80 20, you know, that's whatever. Like there is zero. Zero. Yeah. Zero. None. <laughs> and that's just sort of the beginning because you're right about like pools issues they're heavily weighted like you know be elites of stuff is just obvious but like pool you're investing usage into you're investing like you, you talked yeah. about the right to survey and the right to kind of dictate flow and tempo that's valuable right. and, and he's getting out there and he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing and then he's getting clobbered defensively but and, and then that game one, like he had like three mistakes that I swear cost like 15 points, even though that's not mathematically possible. Right, right, right. It, it was just like, oh, I can't. Oh, ah, you know, and there goes the game. And um, so these creative moves that Steve Kerr could be doing, you know, to minimize the role of pool, bring in some competitors you know, something about these yeah. young guys that I've always found interesting in all sports is sometimes you throw a young guy in there and they're so young, they don't know what they don't know. And right. they just they're at there's such a change up that, that the other team's like, I don't even know what to do with you. You know, you're yeah. you, you're so random because yeah. you're a rookie and you don't you know, we don't have any we don't have any feel for you. Right. And, and so, like, <laughs> to your point, like that could be easily a change up we see. Um, it's, I mean, it, and it's 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 so glaring in the Kaminga case because he's the best best athlete in the series. He's the best pure athlete in the. He's even over Jalen Brown. He is the best athlete in the series. So like, if you're gonna have some young guy out doing stupid things, you want it to be the six nine freak who can jump out of the building and outrun everybody down the court. You know, like that that's the guy that you want out there making mistakes because even some of his mistakes might be okay. You know, he might be out of position and just jump at the wrong time and still deflect the ball. You and, know, like he you want his mistakes, you know. And I don't want to say that Boston doesn't play a smart offense because I think they've been pretty damn smart. You know, like we kind of go down the line. Like Jalen Brown has to me, shown incredible control of the game, you know, just way more than we've seen even this year, you know. Sure. He's, he could be on a heater right now that's unsustainable in terms of the decision-making aspect of his game, pulling right. up when it's smart to pull up, getting to the rack when it's smart to get to the rack. And, and Jason Tatum has done the same exact thing. Marcus Smart has played pretty damn smart on offense. Oh, um, yeah. Al Horford, very smart always. You know, and, and, you know, the guys, the other guys know their roles. So it's been a very smart offensive uh, output for Boston. But the key to me to beating them is to get them to stop. To, I mean, it sounds a little bit too simple, but like once they struggle offensively, to me, they, they become a team where, OK, all right. So I get to gather a miss, you know, some sort of rebound or hopefully a turnover. 
now that defense that's so good, they're really you, you take a lot of the punch out of it because they're so disadvantaged by being in transition or whatever the case may be. You got all these defensive players that the value they bring is just getting evaporated because they're not making shots. They're in that 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 deficient position based on that. And and you get them to miss those shots and they start losing all of their their kind of aggression and it just crumbles for them. That's why they give up these big comeback or you know these big 20 25 point leads was the the knock on them. Right. That they were losing. So to your point about Kaminga, it's like you know, if Boston doesn't really run like a lot of split action or, you know, a lot of timing based stuff and lot, it's not like a huge passing game, Kaminga's not going to have to be turning his head all over the place. His job is to just be athletic and stand in front of a right. Jalen Brown and make Jalen Brown shoot over the top of a tough contest. Like right. that kind of stuff. Gary Payton comes into the game and brings that, you know, um, and, and and when you have Steph has been bad defensively, he's been fouling ridiculously. I, I, I thought I thought last night I, I will say I thought there was a little inconsistency on some of the like um body body um oh, fouls uh, off off the dribble. I do I did think It was that, a Boston ref game. Yeah, I mean but I mean you do gotta expect that. It's it's, it's you know it's a We talked big, about that before crowd. the series yeah. where it was yeah. like it's gonna get called this way. Right. And that's gonna favor Boston. And if it gets called that way too much, Golden State's in real trouble. Right. Which I watched I mean, I had Golden State last night and I was the very like the first three plays were like, Oh crap. <laughs> like, <laughs> I ain't winning this bet because they're letting them beat the crap out of each other. Yeah, which obviously hurts Boston. Um, but you got Steph struggling. You got Clay defensively struggling. Dre right. defensively struggling, and then Looney has his issues on the perimeter. Like they get bad a little quick, you know. Yeah, I think. But the thing was, I think um, with Looney, they've been pretty consistent. I mean, they've had, you know, I mean, that, you know, that fourth quarter, okay. Horford went nuts from three, but like they've had Williams in a lot considering his physical, how beat up he is. They even, they didn't play him last game, but Tice has played a lot more than I thought he was going to play, you know? So like there hasn't been real reason not to have Looney in the game, you know, which, you know, goes back to, you know, kind of Kerr decision-making, and they were so, they, they really did a good job. I thought the Warriors did, um, which I think, this more leans to like Draymond and him steering the ship. They, they, in the, the, the previous two games, they did a really good job of making sure that, um, of fighting through screens and, and keeping Wiggins on whoever it was, uh, you know, Tatum or Brown. This game three, they really fell off. And I mean, I, I guess I can't put that all on Dre, but they really fell off and they were, they weren't really fighting that hard. To, to show and, 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 and get back and Wiggins would have to switch and it's cause Steph got he got left out with, you know, Brown and Tatum and um Smart's really when when Smart has Steph on him, I mean he really is really taking his time and he knows he can do. I think that's part of why he's having such a good um intelligence series is cause I think he knows he can get by him whenever he wants. So he's just kinda like 
letting all options show themselves uh, when he, whenever he has Steph or Poole on him. So um, yeah, he yeah, gets a, he gets a nice drive and kick tip typically whenever yeah. he wants. Yeah. So I I think that you know again this is going you have to go back to like getting guys out there that could you know with you know get a, have a fight you know you got to have gp3 on the court i mean i i kind of feel like stupid so, i mean i know i don't know more basketball than than steve kerr so i kind of feels like sacrilege but i mean it's kind of glaring right i mean <laughs> well this is the biggest thing in in sport in, in the sport of basketball in my opinion is like how do you recognize what you have and then are you just pot committed to your people like like you're gonna go down with the ship no matter what like if steph clay and dre like go 0 for 50 and you know are sitting on their butts on the floor you're like well we're just gonna go there you know like and this and this is not this is not uh i mean we said it was old school but this is not Phil Jackson and this is not Popovich coaching. I mean, the one thing that you, you can say uh, about, especially about Phil Jackson, is he's going to go down with whoever the hell's playing well. I mean, Steve Kerr was a terrible defender. And when it was time for spacing in crucial times, he would still have him out there, even if you, especially in that Utah series. I was watching a lot of that actually not too long ago. And Stockton was just killing uh, him. But the, the defense was so good. And they just had to have space for Jordan, and so he went with a lot of Kerr, even though the the on the defense that he was just he was really stinking it up. But um, you know, you just have to be malleable. You have to give yourself the best opportunity to win. And I, I think anybody watching can see that you know Dre was just kind of useless out there. Well, and, and and the body language is to me. So I'm like, I'm always I'm like, okay, what am I making my next bet on? You know. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm going, all right, I'm, uh, I guess I could look at the line right now, but it was like three and a half Warriors underdogs, three and a half before game three was even started. So game four had already had been given a line. Um, mm-hmm. And as I refresh that screen here, it looks like we have Warriors plus four. So a little bit of confidence has been shook. And usually you'll see a little bit of a rebound effect in these things where like, the Warriors, everybody's going to expect the Warriors to come out and play better, you know, even the series. So maybe three and a half looks like three, two and a half even, and now four, because I think people are watching this and they're saying, I don't know if the Warriors got a chance now. Um, so I'm thinking like about my next bet here and I'm going, all right, the body language for the Warriors looks terrible. Like they look like a, like Steph and Clay look annoyed. They look defeated. And, and I wonder how much of it is them feeling like the, the leadership of the team is rudderless or like they can't like really truly say or do what they would prefer to say or do for fear that it's going to like just shatter the team chemistry. And how much of it comes back to Dre? Are they all on on the same page with the stuff that Steve Kerr is doing? Because that often happens. Like it's usually like a, a group think decision between the coach and the top three players. Like who are we playing? Why are we playing them? Like Andre Iguodala. Like I would, if I had to guess, they all thought it was a good idea to play him. Yeah. In game one. And and it yeah. wasn't. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think I mean he didn't play very. I mean. I, I'm okay with giving him 
a, a look, you know. But after that game one, it's you know they they put him in again last night. I mean, he, he wasn't dressed, I believe, in game two, but they put him in again last night. And I guess the only saving grace was that the only way you could justify it is that he was coming in for Draymond, so anybody would have been good uh, as bad as he was playing. So, um, so I'm okay with giving him a look. I think he's earned that. That's fine. And he, they 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 pulled him out pretty quick. But in, in game general, three, they did. In game one, they left him out there for those critical fourth quarter minutes yeah. and, and just kept going. And a lot of it was also the combination of players. It wasn't all just yeah, Iguodala. Yeah. It was, you're going to have Otto Porter on the floor at the same time yeah. and then down the and, and Dre. Those three, it's like, okay, like, who who's shooting? Nobody's shooting? Okay, cool. Great yeah. possession, you know, like... But but I th- I think I think there is... A, I mean, if you're loony, like, I mean, and he's a pro and I hope this doesn't happen but another thing that happens when you're if you're loony and you're sitting there and you're just watching Draymond stink it up and you know Kerr looks down the, the line of the bench and you're looking at him and he looks away and you're like 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 I can like if you're loony, like I can go do that you know I can go be I can go be non-impactful <laughs> on offense and miss every assignment on defense <laughs> you know like yeah it's, a, it's, I, it's toxic you know? you know so you that's you the hope, point yeah, and I thought that, and I thought that that was the case, you know, with not, and I think that's the case with also not playing the, those young guys early. Like he, he, I mean, you bend over backwards to get those guys in game one for two minutes, three minutes, like you know, like you said, and so this thing really could fall apart. And I, and I think, and the the fourth quarter was just a disaster, with you know, hunting the threes and stuff, and there was really no. And I think that that's usually Draymond who gets the offense under control. They start going through him in the high post. He's making really good, sharp decisions. The ball starts whipping around. Clay starts cutting back and back door and whatnot. And they just, they just didn't have it because I think that their, because their point guard, Draymond Green was, you know, out to lunch, you know, it's hard to watch. And I think if you could just generally, they don't get the ball beneath the free throw line enough without Dre, his drives to the hoop, Looney, his catches, you know, you take those two guys out of the equation. How do they get the ball beneath the foul line? Well, you know what? At one point, and it was early, they even had, they had the matchups they wanted and what they were willing to give up Boston was they had a Horford on Wiggins. So Wiggins immediately, when he got the ball, he put it on the deck. I think he got a, uh, two quick fouls and then he started a chain of passes that ended up in a bucket but like you it's 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 a tall task to run your offense through Wiggins when he's got to cover Jalen Brown and Tatum for 40 minutes you know somebody else somebody else has got to do it you know like there's got to be a different way but Boston's like hey we know Horford can't cover Wiggins away from the hoop we know that but we're gonna, we're gonna go with the fact that Wiggins ain't gonna take twenty five sh- shots today. They're not gonna make Wiggins, you know, a huge usage guy because of what he has to do on defense. So again, that's another just like coaching decision they've made. They rolled with it and they stuck with it, even though whenever Wiggins did get it and go hard, 
something good happened. There, the Udoku's be- betting on, hey, this ain't gonna happen. The, the guy can't do it. He, or, or if they're gonna go through Wiggins, the series is over because he's not gonna be able to cover Brown and Tatum. You know, there were other coaching things. Steph on on uh, Tatum being so comfortable yeah. with that switch. That was like yeah. a no brainer. Don't do that. Like, especially, I mean, you could like maybe make that argument if like you take all of Jason Tatum's worst clips and line them up, you know, next to each other and be like, okay, he's going to be that guy. But no, he's got too much step through, you know, like for whatever he lacks in his dribble drive game, he has a sort of methodicalness where he can get to the rack and finish with both hands and and use enough Euro, you know, long dried stuff that like a guy like Steph has no chance against, you know? Yeah. His Euro is a lot different than other people. Cause he, a lot of guys, I think know they're going to use it when they start their drive. He seems to be able to do his Euro in really close contact a lot more awkwardly. And so someone like Steph has no chance, no chance whatsoever. But even like more formidable defenders, he'll he'll do it where there's really no space and he'll end up getting a foul because he's like ripping through at the same time. And he, he does it and he'll get a he'll pick up a, 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 a cheap foul. And yeah, Steph just doesn't. Yeah, have a he's chance. also developed the long hook where, you know, he's like shooting from like beneath his shoulder. Right. And and the high the high kiss off the glass. He's making that with way more regularity now and than a, Yeah, and that's another really tempting one where a somewhat undisciplined defender like Steph is gonna try to reach, reach that, yeah. you know, and, and pick something up. So the, the whole idea of Steph ever being out there, um, you know, but they were just a beat they were a beat slow, you know, on getting through those screens and then keeping Wiggins there. Um, so this, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know going forward what, what they, what they're going to do. The only, the saving grace is, you know, Boston can throw up some duds, you know, <laughs> we know like Boston's all hundred percent capable of, you know, taking what they accomplished in game three and deciding we're, we're going to do the exact opposite. <laughs> In game four, their 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 mistakes are so like befuddling that <laughs> I I kind of almost like I, they're so random that I I have a hard time planning for them. <laughs> you know, yeah, you right? don't know when they're going to hit. Um, but I, I just I kind of just th- like I liken them to uh, if you're going to start missing shots and you have sort of a defensively minded team, you know that's where your value is like. Al Horford, Grant Williams, Robert Williams, you know, Marcus Smart to some degree, like offensively, I mean, yeah, you like what they do, but like you can live with what they do if you're the opposing squad and and those guys are forced to beat beat you offensively. And then if defensively you have them in rotation, you have them in space because of whatever miss or turnover, it just takes their value and evaporates it. And and I think that's where you see these long droughts. You know, if those four guys are not effective and then you can slow down the two wings, yeah, there's your recipe right there. And it's the reason you got to play those defensive players if you're the Warriors. Um, but, like, we've sort of, like, danced around the Dre thing this entire time 
I, I mean, to me, it's like so super simple. If he's not at least baseline Dre, you know, <laughs> if he's if he's he's got to actually be good. But let's just say like he's got to be baseline Dre for the Warriors to have a shot. Like, yeah, well, and he certainly can't be the worst player on the court. No, I mean, no. The fact I that mean, it was close a... with him being the worst player on the court was kind of fascinating to me. Yeah. Like yeah. when the Warriors went up by one, I was sitting there thinking there was no universe that that, that the Warriors deserved to not be down twenty, right? And they're right. up by one, right? How? Why? Yeah. I was sitting there yeah. racking my head like, why? How? Well, I mean, they definitely the Celtics definitely the demons the demons of the other third quarters were definitely like they were doing. They, there was about a there was this one like six zero run part of the run where. It was all just nervous mistakes <laughs> from the Celtics, and you were like, and that pushed the thing down to like four. Then the Warriors are playing well, but I mean, the, the, I mean, they can't. I mean, I'm looking. I'm trying to figure out where they can go, and I, I, I know, like, I'm, I did, I'm trying to look. I, like trying to diagnose what the Warriors could do to change things up, other than Dre just playing better. And and what that would look like. I know it's like I hate when people are like, Oh, you just gotta play harder, you gotta you know, play better, like that's the answer. Like, no, these guys by and large are playing hard. Like they're getting punched in the face and Dre's letting go of the rope. Like, let's let's, you know, be clear about that. But like it's not like they're not playing hard ninety percent right. of the time. You know, it's those ten percent that matter. They're a big deal. They cause the game to win or lose. But like, you know, like you really got to hone in on the specific of what can yeah. Dre do differently to create this change. And I think perimeter wise, they're going to have to be better defensively. You can address that with personnel. You know, you could have more Gary Payton. You could try Kaminga. You could get Poole off the floor. You could play Looney more. You know. Hell, you could throw in Iguodala if you don't have him next to Dre and other non-shooters, non-offensive right. players. Yeah. So, like, that's five or six ideas right there that you could go to immediately right. and and create some better defensive equations. So, like, I think that'll help on the perimeter because Dre appears to be trying to outthink the game, but he's doing a really poor job of it. Like, well, yeah, I think it's I think it's because he's because it's just not his matchup. Yeah, because there's you nobody know, for him to cover. There's no one for him to cover, and he's just, I think he's really, I mean, he's got to He's gotta get something going to the hoop with the floats or something. I mean, they, you can't you can't have <laughs> Draymond Green holding the ball at 17, 18 feet, and then <laughs> Marcus Smart or whoever, or Der Derek White did it too, a good four feet off him. I mean, you can't. You just. You're just never gonna score. Your team's never gonna score with that. With the defense is allowed to do that. Like he's got to shoot along too. He's got to. He's got to maybe put his butt into Derek White or Smart and post up. He has. Yeah, he, I was he, wondering about that. Can they stick him on the block? Yes. And, and just say, yes, "Hey, man, absolutely. we need you to cleanly catch the ball and run splits." Like yes, but but they, but you have to be down. Time on the block like yeah but that's that's the thing i think he feels you know even if he does he feels like what it's with williams in there i think he feels him lurking around you know this is a, i think i really just think this is a big time confidence 
you know, thing for Draymond Green, and it's manifesting in his in in you know all the the talking with the refs. I mean, he was getting in with the refs right away in game two he was playing well and he was starting and he was talking to us he's like give me it's almost like he's begging for help <laughs> like, <laughs> like like guys like i can't i can't score on these guys can can you can you, can you do something about this <laughs> you know but it's not gonna come so you have to let's get into that when you said that i immediately was like psychological help like the because the, there's something to this right like we all kind of dance around it and everybody will call Dre a genius on one hand, but then he comes to these high leverage moments and then he's like, I'm going to do something incredibly dumb and I'm going to do it over and over again. And you're like, what is like, this is weird. Like on one hand you like, I mean, people wanted him to be the defensive player of the year, you know, you, you were 45 games or whatever. <laughs> right. Like you, you've been given the title of defensive genius, you know, so like, let's see it all play out. Right. But he's not doing that because he's all the obvious stuff. He's talking with the refs. He's talking with the other team. He's trying to put his imprint on the game. And then we see him after games, which I mean, everybody's talking about the post game stuff with like clay talking about whatever. Um, I didn't care about that very much um talking about boston fans being like you know they're they're really upset about the boston fans you know not being classic or whatever i think they were just pissed well, off after the game and and yeah i mean that's not even a thing i mean everyone know i mean like any no one talks about it they're like the worst uh the boston sports fans about as low and useless of a human being as can be i mean i, I mean tory hunter <laughs> the baseball player put it in a put it in every contract you know that he cannot be traded to the boston red sox <laughs> i didn't just... <laughs> i think I, I, it's been a while since i heard about that that's uh funny and sad and yeah but we get it it's not it's not a reason to, it's not a it's nothing to even discuss quite honestly i, I, you know? I think like, they were asked and they were like screw it i'm just gonna answer like you know i, yeah, I don't we, yeah, we don't like a, those people <laughs> like yeah yeah but and that's fine but I, then dre's coming out there and he's like teeing off on Jake Fisher of, you know, Sports Illustrated, wherever Jake's writing. Um, I forget where he's writing right now, but he's up and coming writer, blah, 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 blah. And he asked like a kind of harmless question about, are you giving away Intel on your podcast? Dre spent the next four questions clowning on him for <laughs> not being prepared for Dre's rigorous follow-up of what was it on my podcast that I disclosed to the other team. And then Jake sort of sheepishly was like, well, you said this. And he's like, yeah, that's not X's and O's. And he sort of yeah. just now, went I, off. <laughs> now, I thought that was pretty funny because, because yeah, I mean, I think that, Dre was able to get out some frustration from the game on him, but it was a stupid question. Like there's no, it's basketball. This isn't a football where you're trying to trick people. Everybody knows what everybody's doing. It, basketball is a game of execution. I, I, you know? I know it was a stupid, it was a stupid so question. It was, we, we, it was funny, but I, I definitely we, think we've that had like, Jake on a couple shows. So I, I mean, like, I, I think he's a good guy, you know, no, like, I'm sure he is, but, I, but it was I, a I dumb question. Jake was a bad guy either, but it was, it was definitely his but, chance to but, like, to, to puff his chest out because he was frustrated about well, how awful he played. <laughs> I, I mean, it's just a wild, it's a wild thing to watch because like on one hand, he's got his son there and I'm sitting there going, I'm like, it's cool. You know, like let your son, see a struggle you know like you know he's gonna absorb this experience and he's gonna 
you know, watch how you handle things. And, and, you know, you're going to model this, you know, this pretty interesting and good behavior in the sense that like, you're taking some risks. If you're Dre, you're talking, you know, instead of the, the standard, you know, player speak, you know, you're getting out there and you're, you're, you're mixing it up. And, and he said some really smart things over the last couple of days where like, you know, like people who cover the game with integrity, uh, Tomar Azerly had a great question and he thanked Tomar for taking the time to be kind of good at his job. And so on one hand, he's like doing this stuff where you're like, yeah, that's pretty cool. Like, I like the way that you're trying to usher media in a good direction, you know, instead of the Skip Bayless crap and the Colin Coward <laughs> crap and, you know, on down the line. You know, so I like that. But then on the other hand, you're sitting there like so focused on this poor writer who has nothing to do with what you got to accomplish in a couple days. And he seems emotionally invested in that back and forth. And he's emotionally invested in the back and forth with the refs. He's emotionally invested in, you know, this mental game that he appears to be losing. And <laughs> you see, you go turn and look at Stephen Clay and they look like, man, he's just this guy. Could he just shut up? Like, could we just like play the damn game of basketball? I can't really say anything because we need him. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That's that mental. And Steve Kerr was wearing that on his, his sleeve in the first quarter interview. It's like, yeah, I don't know if he's going to turn it around. Like, And <laughs> is this the case that their spirit is extinguished? You know, I think that's like a Bill Waltonism. Like, that is that, yeah, yeah, that, that definitely had a little uh, little Bill Walton too. there. How, how come the Bill Walton stuff didn't hit his kid? How come the what? <laughs> the Bill Walton stuff didn't hit his kid. Yeah, I, I had to take a shot at Luke. That's um, not nice. <laughs> um, it's a, it's a Sacramento thing. It's not a Luke Walton thing. It's a Sacramento thing. Anyway, <laughs> but like, can they? Like, what does it look like if Dre bounces back is, is kind of what I'm, I'm getting at. Like, I think offensively, yeah, catching it down on the post, being more aggressive, you know, winning some matchups. Because if he's a zero on offense, he, he's, it means he's got to be so good on defense. Yeah. And he has nobody to cover is like the other thing we haven't we've said it a couple times, but like he can't cover Jalen. Oh, God. Uh, did you <laughs> there was a couple of drives where like. Jalen and Tatum, I mean, walked by him. <laughs> he was he got ice out, ice out on those dudes, and they just, I mean, their eyes lit up, and they literally strolled right by him to the rim. I mean, he can't cover either of those wings. Maybe you could get, maybe he could feel somewhat comfortable on Smart because he's he knows how to use his length. Um, Williams. It, it, Williams he's, is he's, interesting in that he's battling Dre on the the mental toughness side, kind of going blow is, for blow. And he's so much longer. Draymond did a te you know Draymond did a terrible job of blocking out last. I mean they all did, but when you're the biggest guy, when you when you're playing the the five in that in those lineups, you you have to if you're not securing it, you have to at least make sure that their biggest threat is boxed out properly. And um, he just wasn't. So I think, and, and it's hard for a guy that's that when you're smaller. Charles Barkley used to talk about like uh, playing against Sean Kemp, and he was like, when you're shorter, and you're a guy is way more athletic than you, you really gotta like do some big time work to block him out. 
because if you're just standing there with him, he's going to get every board, you know, and Williams is that guy. He's way bigger. He's way more athletic. He, you know, even, even with the bum knee. So like, even like, even though that's a guy that traditionally you would say like, okay, you're all right there, Dre. He's really not, you know, he's really not. That lob is wide open. He's not deter. He can't deter Jalen Brown. And that's what, why Looney's so important. He cannot, Draymond cannot deter Jalen Brown and Tatum from considering going to the rim. Oh, no. It, you know, <laughs> there were, I would say there was probably five to 10 rebounds ripped out of the hands of like a Draymond Green or like an Otto Porter had a couple yeah. that were uh, all Porter physicality. Was Porter was, Porter was, he was pretty bad. <laughs> I'm generally positive of a Porter because he's like out there on two peg legs. You know, he's been injured yeah, his whole no, career. Definitely. He's made some tough shots and, you know, no. he's played with, you know, confidence and moxie. And that's all you can ask from a player. Like, right. Right. Um, but to, to your points, the, the Dre stuff, like he, if you're, if you're just talking purely rebounding and defense, he's got to get way more aware and then aggressive on those box outs and, and really even just his positioning. He's like playing these games where he, he's kind of, it's like almost like a November approach to some of the pre-planning on these sets. And I feel like maybe he's overthinking it because he's like, okay, I got to cover this. I got to cover that. And then it's like, Oh, I didn't cover my first responsibility. You know, I was thinking about two, three and four. And then, but somebody who's focused and locked in, would get responsibility number one and then toggle down to two, three and four, you know, and he's just not there. Um, <clears throat> the question of whether Dre internalizes all of what's happening is another one on my mind because <clears throat> while he'll go out there and he'll say he's playing like bleep, how have we seen him respond in these series where the other team's as good or or better you know does he have a history of responding in these situations i mean he had a good he had a really good game he had a good game seven when against cleveland um he can i just think he has to he just has to understand that this is going to be a difficult series and he can't like I mean, I hate to say it, but he kind of quit last night, right? I mean, he, he, you know, when when you are that much engaged with the bench of the other team and refs, when you when you're not taking care of the very basics of basketball, that's kind of quitting. You know, it's like the guy that just you know tries to pick up the t the couple of t's and the last you know you're losing by thirty. And you're like, oh, let me just get the hell out of here. So I'll pick up a couple of T's and get out um, on the first somewhat questionable call, you know. So he can't do that. He's got to just have these – he's got to have big-time Draymond Green effort games and live with the results and just play smart and, no, and can't turn – I mean, how many turnovers did he have? He had two turnovers. So that's a that's a – one to one point to turnover ratio. <laughs> you, you just can't, you mean like I mean that's just not. It's not yeah, I mean, done. Let, let's let's it's quickly pivot b- before we we run here. Like Boston, of course, is playing extremely well, and they present a defensive equation that 
you know, in today's game, as we covered a few shows ago, in today's game is about as high end as it gets. And so they're putting a ton of pressure on Golden State to the extent that like Golden State can't run their B stuff. They, they got to run their A stuff. They got to be defensively sharp. So I think what you're seeing a lot of, you know, as long as Boston plays that way, you know, Golden State doesn't have much margin for error. And they're giving away that margin through this stuff we're talking about with Dre. Even little things like when they, they try to get Clay going early on in the first quarter, and I was like laughing. That was awful. It's like, okay, you're at, they're going to come out with energy. They just lost the game. They're, and they're, they're at home for the first time in the finals. Like you're just handing them, you know, yeah. a, a nuclear weapon, you know, so they can get excited early and, you know, you're going to force stuff to Clay. Yeah, like, it was just, that was awful. It was like it, they were spending money they didn't have. They're sitting there right. going, well, well, we can make it up in the second, third, and fourth quarter if it doesn't work. You right. know, um, or maybe they even think about what if it doesn't work. They were just like, we got to get Clay going. And yeah. that's how we do it. And yeah, he did get going. So you could be like, oh, well, that led to that. But it didn't. You know, there were two separate situations. Well, well, and Clay did good he, to get he, back going. Yeah, he didn't get going when they were forcing it to him. He, no. got, he got going when they got back to running their sets properly. You know? And then he got like, back off that train when the, when he started pushing fourth, it too much. Started, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, so, they they don't have that margin for error. Um, but like quickly about Boston, um, you know, I mentioned it with Jalen Brown, um, how good he has played. Like, I don't know where, like watching him play, I'm wondering like how high is he in the, the hierarchy, you know, of the NBA at this point? Because like defensively, I mean, there's like maybe five plays a game where like that's some freaking amazing defense that i just saw him play offensively he's playing well kind of playing at all three levels and so i'm not sure everybody's talking about jason tatum kind of cracking the elite you know um ranks of the nba and i'm sitting there going is every sure it's jason tatum and not jalen brown you know (laughs) well i think it's i think it's both of them and i think that's why what i mean even like a couple years ago you just don't like get that that two freaky wing combo very often. And, you know, they were right to keep it together. I said, I think this season, I think in the, in the, cause I, cause I had a good grasp on just how awful Brooklyn's defense was. I had said in our, one of our earlier podcasts, you know, before that series, I said, if they can't get by this Brooklyn thing, then, then you could break it up. Um, but other than that, in general, you don't want to when you have two freaky wings that size, you, you just can't. You got to just let that thing ride. Um, but I mean, he's he's the real deal. I mean, he's he's if they win, you have to they win this thing. You have to kind of readjust your your top 10. You know, is he a top 10 guy? And the talent has been there. I think he gets a little wild. I think it's is um handle could be a little tighter but if he's going to play this smart where he's you know not maybe driving into traffic as much um you know he could he still take some time to improve that handle but he's the real deal i mean don't don't get it twisted he's he's a star you add a marcus smart who like the more i listen to marcus smart i mean there was like an inside tracks of him talking about how to defend steph and i was just like yes yes like 
it's about this momentum shift. Like you got to go up high, but already start retreating. But keep in mind, you need to also get back for the deke because he's going to pull it back. And, right. and, and, and so, but you got to be ahead of all that momentum. It's like the mental timer. Like I wish that they had a better quantification for defensive players. Like where's your mental timer at? Like, are you, is your clock in your head faster than the clock in his head? with what he's going to do. And Marcus Smart talks like he understands all of that stuff. He talks like he understands all the mental side of the game and, and how they approach it, um, you know, as a team. Like, these guys just look like they're playing for each other. They're, they they talk trash to each other. That's another sign of a healthy organization. Yeah. <laughs> like, they, they, they just have um, all of that intangible going for them and and yeah the warriors are a team that can shatter that quick if if they do everything the right way um my thought i guess to kind of clean it up is i think that the warriors got to sell out on those defensive lineups and yeah. then um you know dre's got to obviously be a lot better how they get dre involved in the game plan is probably where the money gets made on this but you know you know it's going to be interesting i i think this is, I mean, this is the game seven, right? I mean, which is another problem with Kerr not getting these young guys in. I mean, you got, you got game seven right now. They win this, the Celtics win this thing. It's a wrap. Um, and I thought in game two, they were really selling out on stuff. They're really making a lot of mistakes in coverage. They were going at him so hard and he had a couple of dishes. And I think that there's some room for Steph to be a little bit more of a playmaker, which could really help um, in these, um, if if Kerr has the courage to get these young guys on the floor, I think that there's a lot of room. If Steph can knock a couple down early, and I liked the amount of twos that he took as well. He was hitting that 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 jump that that long jumper as well. If if he can get you know a normal Steph game going there's a lot of opportunity for him to kind of get in the lane and, and get some guys, some really easy shots. That might be the only way to get past if Draymond can't get going, you know, cause I don't know. I don't know how you get him going when you, when you're just running, when you're running your same motion sets that you've been running for the past, you know, six, eight years, you know, there's not, and, and a guy that's limited skill-wise, right? How do you, it's not like you can just go like, hey, we're just going to go uh, dream on, on up top and, you know, everybody clear out. I mean, that's not going to get him going. So if he can't find a way to get himself in this game mentally, I think that the only other option is for um, Steph to do more playmaking. But then you really have no room for errors and guys got to shoot really, really well. So it's a, there's a lot of things that make this seem unlikely for the Warriors. Um, Right. (laughs) But that's always how it looks after a loss. You know, I was just sort of playing this out and I was going, okay, you know, they go back to the wall. They, they play hard. They play, they they bring their best punch. Right. And you know, they win this game. Now you're heading back for a, a best of three and you got two home games, you know, like, yeah, yeah, it's it's not crazy. No, no, not at all. To see this thing flip back the other direction, but I just 
I think when you get back to the all of the, the gravity of everything that we've discussed here, the Warriors and Dre and Kerr, it's like Dre and Kerr have to have like a complete gut check moment. And Kerr's got to be willing to get outside the box. He's got to get Bealitz off the floor, but <laughs> whatever. <laughs> you know, he's got to get outside the box, go defensive. And then Dre just has to like flat out play better and, and maybe get a little bit more creative on, on how he gets the ball. Like they, 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 that team has to get the ball beneath the foul line. Like, I don't yeah. care how they just got to do it. Cause that's all their split action. And that's where they get really dangerous is you, you get guys with their heads turned. Everybody can shoot threes. Boom, 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 boom. Momentum, yeah. momentum, momentum. And there you go. Um, all right. Do you want to make a prediction before we get out of here? Oh man. Well, I've spent the last, you know what? 50 minutes, uh, completely bashing the warriors saying all how they can't, you know, they really don't stack up. So I guess I should, I'm going to have to go pick the warriors. <laughs> You're going to pick the warriors in game four. And, and then in the series, what are you going to do? I mean, my original pick was, was warriors in seven. I just, you know, that if they win this, then that's, that's definitely cause they, this is this, it'll be a tough law, even though it's just two, two, it'd be a tough loss for the Celtics, you know, cause this is the this is the punch. I mean, this is the home run right here. You get this thing done. They they win this. I don't know that they. I don't. I, if, they, if the Celtics can win Game Four, it's probably, very well can be over in five, right? I, I mean, <laughs> if they if they win this one and and they can force Draymond to play bad again, like that home. How much is that home uh, home worth? Well, the pressure of losing at home starts. The Warriors have shown in the past that they're a team capable of letting go of the rope and playing like way below baseline because they've mentally lost it. Yeah, there are teams that don't do that, but they're one of the teams that do. Yeah, so I'm going to say I'm going to go. I'm going to go Warriors. I think (sighs) you're going Warriors. You're going Warriors in seven still. No, I think that they might have to get this thing. I think seven might be a little too much. I think if the Warriors, I think the war, if the Warriors are going to win, I think they might have to do it in Boston. I, I don't, I don't know. Like that means that my, they got to get on a heater. They got to win game four, win game five, win game six. Yeah, they got to, they got to shut this thing down because I, I think that they're going to need help from Boston and play. A couple of really good games but going back to golden state it, it means you're essentially saying on... that, that the more that these te- these two teams play the the longer that the, the more chance that boston exposes them yeah i i, I believe that so like basically think... the the path to victory for the warriors is a uppercut haymaker knock them silly Beat, yeah. beat them on their home court right now in game four, come back, win game five, put all the pressure on Boston and then win it in Boston in game six. Yeah. That's, that that's, says that the Boston Celtics are the better team. I, that's what I think. I, that, I mean, after, I mean, I think that this, this three game stretch is a, is a good, and again, it's, it's the, the times we're talking about when both teams are doing what they want to do. Boston looks better. You know, and and you, you, I think the Warriors' defense is being exposed because 
during the regular season. And like, I just don't think Dallas was a very good team. You know, I think that what, what you see that helps their defensive numbers is lot is the amount of horrible shots that teams take against them because they, they go on these runs. It wasn't like the, the previous teams where you had Iguodala still playing great defense, clay pre-injury Livingston, you know, those guys that could really lock up you know, Durant and where you had when Draymond could Draymond could play center in those teams because no one was getting by clean. So he was able to contest at the rim because the, the, the guys on the dribble drive weren't getting by clean. Now on this team, everybody's the, the Boston perimeter guys are walking by their defender and getting a full head of steam and Dre's no match at the rim. So like that is something that you can't fix like Draymond Green is not going to get taller, you know, without I mean, you know, unless you have to unless you go with Kaminga and Looney more, you know, so to me, the Celtics are the better team. But we've seen you. I mean, countless times that a veteran team that knows how to get things done in crucial times can beat more talented teams. So that that's how I feel. The Warriors, that's their path. I hate to end it on something like this, but. I really think that this comes down to like who who refs the game. And and I'm not Oof. talking about like conspiracy like right the 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 refs have it out for the team, but like they let those dudes play last night. Like that was great to watch. It was great basketball. Um the the amount I was just checking for the amount of fouls that were called and it was actually somewhat it wasn't like a no fouls were called kind of a game there was I think 40 fouls called 23 23 on the Warriors yeah 40 17 for the um so like I, I don't know what the average is off the top of my head but that's that's fairly average maybe even a little over but some I would have to guess that those fouls didn't like they almost came as a result of the game being so physical like it, it, at some point you had to call them because you let right. them start to play that way so then they had to eventually pull them back that doesn't favor golden state at all like i kind of wonder if the nba looks at that and they go all right we cannot have another one of those like we well, got I know, I know yeah I, i'm sure that i'm sure that the golden state uh you know, video coordinator. <laughs> as soon as the game I'm was over, I'm guessing Lacob put, put put together a package and sent it directly to the league before they left this. Before they went back to the hotel, <laughs> they had a package that they sent to the league and said, "What the hell are, are these refs doing?" I, I'd be willing so, to bet a large amount of money that Lacob <laughs> made a phone call to Silver. Right. Like, yeah. Just he flat better out. Have, he better him if he didn't. He should. He got a lot of money on the he, like. He's probably got like a good three hundred, four hundred million on the line, based on the winner, winner or the loser of this series. <laughs> they, but that's kind of it for me. Like, if you, and how does that change things? So I think it's like if if you if you're the if if Steph can play in space, if Clay can, if Poole can play in space, like it opens everything up for Golden State. Right. You could get conspiracy theories going where it's like, oh, they won a seven game series, blah, blah, blah. But I just think like they try to maintain equilibrium with the refereeing in the sense that like if you're going to if you're going to let them beat each other up one game, you, you're going to have to let them play in another. And it gets harder to do that as the series goes on, because like six and seven are such 
historically put the whistles in your pockets games. Yes. So yes. like if you're going to do it, it makes sense for the NBA to do it now in game four, extend this series out a little bit. I'm sure they know at least a little bit. It favors the Warriors give that give that breathing room and then defensively you know you would think that like okay so the same problem occurs for golden state like they'll have a hard time covering boston if fouls are being called but not nearly as much i think like when you allow contact at that level you know offensively those guys beat them on that end as well you know if if you're jalen brown if if you're tatum you're able to put your shoulder down and just go and you're not going to get called for a charge that favors Boston as well. So I'm going to take Golden State based on the refereeing. I'm not confident in this. When I issue my play, it'll be a low unit play probably. Um, but to me, like, you're right. It's game seven. I do think they'll throw their best punch. I kind of feel like Kerr will crack, play more Gary Payton. I think that this is the time we see Kaminga. If not, I think it'll get loud. You know, the the, the, yeah. the 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 talk will get loud, so you'll see a little bit more of those two guys. Hopefully, you don't see Bielitsa. When I see Bielitsa, and I've got the Warriors, and I'm just like, oh my god, I lost all my money. Um, <laughs> hopefully, that's the case. They're more loony. Um, I think Dre, you know, he's probably going to come out about as sharp as he can. So, yeah. um, to me, it's a good shot. Then, then it brings the question of: Is it a three-game series? It's hard for me to in good, or pardon me, the question is who does what in a three-game series. It's hard for me to take Golden State with, like, to tell somebody who's listening, like, yeah, I believe Golden State's going to win this series. Right. I, 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 I think I need to make like a segmented prediction here and say if my prediction on Game Four is correct, right, then I will take Golden State in seven. And, and also, yeah, like how they win the game is important too. You yep. know, it, it's it's it, it's not just that they win; it's how they win. You know, if would they did they just did Clay and Steph just go nuclear, and they still couldn't stay in front of Boston, and the Warriors win by four, never really having a large lead. Well, that bodes very well for Boston. <laughs> You know, if those two go crazy and they just barely eke by, if you're Boston, you feel really good, right? <laughs> you know, so it's 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 a very interesting series. It's very interesting, but uh, I think you broke that. Yeah. I think we hit every angle in this I show. Think so. I, I think don't so. think we missed a single one. Um, if we did, let us know at causeandbrewshow.com. I, do you have anything else to add, Kaz? I'm just kind of rushing us off into no, the... No, 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 I'm, I'm good. Uh, with anything else, what, Darvin Ham, Lakers coach? Good luck. Uh, I, I mean, I, I thought that was a smart move for the Lakers. I mean, yeah, you know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if, I, I if mean, good luck to Darvin Ham. <laughs> good luck to Darvin Ham. Let's see, uh, let's see when, when they start their coaching search in game 45. Be careful you know, what you ask for. Yeah, because you, you, you know Palenka ain't, ain't gonna take any heat on this one. You know, he, as soon as they lose three games in a row, <laughs> shout out Derek White for for making making us look good. You know, and being a winning basketball player. And shout out Peyton Pritchard for fearlessness and, and shooting oh, those threes. He, he's like yeah. I, that team is just so fun. Um, yeah, Pritchard, you know, he's gonna get him up. Oh God, yeah. I mean, why not, right? You know, you're there. <laughs> ain't no, ain't no shame in him. <laughs> He's hot the second he steps onto the court. 
I wish I could say that like he doesn't deserve it, but man, the kid's played well. He's you know he gets oh, up there and he, he balls and it's about doing it's about doing your job. Like his they, if he passes up an open three, they're they're gonna get on him. He's a plus him fifteen in this game yeah. in his ten minutes that Peyton Pritchard. <laughs> It was all his it was all his doing too. Anyway, guys, this has been a lot of fun. We could do this for four hours a day if we could find four hours in a day. Um, tweet at us at causeandbrewshow.com. Follow us on Sports Ethos and on Facebook, where Cause is just prolific. I gotta tell you. If, if you if you watch Cause on Facebook, he is prolific with the funny stuff that you can find on Facebook, the greatest place on earth. K-O-Z A N D B R U show. Where people's souls go to die. <laughs> and they say what's on their mind, unfortunately. <laughs> Another one's on the books. In the books. Peace. Peace. <laughs>